In this episode, I'll talk about leadership versus partnership, and we'll explore how I actually don't think you have to make a choice between being a partner or being a leader for your horse. In fact, one of those can't actually happen without the other. So if you've ever wondered if you have to choose between being, quote, being nice to your horse and meeting your goals with your horse, you are going to love this episode. So here we go. Episode 17, Leadership versus Partnership. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. So I have a Facebook group called Dressage Naturally Land. All of you are invited to join me in there. It's a group for Dressage Naturally And I recently did a call out asking for topics for this podcast. And uh, one of the topics that kept coming up was um, people asking me to talk a little bit about partnership versus leadership. And I think the the first thing I want to say is that I really don't see it that way. So it's it's the word versus that was tripping me up. So I can talk about partnership, I can talk about leadership, but I don't see them as mutually exclusive. And as I said in the introduction, one of them can't exist without the other one. So before I kind of get riffing on this, uh, whenever I have a topic that I want to talk about, I love to look up the dictionary definition of the words and kind of get a general sense of the word outside of the realm of horses. So if we look up the word partnership, it says something like this. A partnership is a formal arrangement by two or more parties to manage and operate a business and share its profits. So what kind of strikes me about that definition is this idea of we're in it together, right? So a partnership you know, we're owning and operating a business, manage and operating a business. Okay. I don't know what the business is with horses, the business of doing, doing horsemanship. Um, But you're in it together and you're sharing the profits. So I think we, it has to be, end up being beneficial to both parties. So to the human and the horse, and that kind of makes sense, right? When we think about partnership with our horses, we're thinking that we want, we want the horse to feel like they're getting something out of it. Okay, so pretty good start. So what is leadership? So when I looked up leadership, it said leadership is about mapping out where you need to go to quote, win as a team or an organization. And it's dynamic, exciting, and inspiring. So leadership is about going somewhere, right? And I love that this particular definition of leadership, you know, has your need to go somewhere together as a team 
to win. So again, there's this like mutually beneficial idea and it's dynamic, dynamic, it's exciting and it's inspiring. So there's some sort of um, visionary direction that you're going and the idea of leadership is kind of implied in there is that people want to follow, right? If people don't want to follow you, you're not a leader. So, you know, what is leadership without people wanting to follow you? Well, that's just being a boss or a slave owner, right? That's when people are doing something to help you meet your goal, but they don't necessarily want to be in it. They're not inspired to do it. And they're definitely not sharing the profits, right? So you can kind of see already how there, um, how partnership lives within leadership. But in the horse world, <laughs> When, you know, I know that when people were asking me that question, like, can you talk to me about partnership versus leadership? So in the horse world, there's kind of this old school thinking and the word leadership is often kind of a euphemism for being strong or quote, showing the horse who's boss. So I think about when somebody might tell their student that they need to improve their leadership. And often that's the case when what they really mean is you need to be firmer, you need to be stronger, you need to, you know, put the horse in their place, show them who's boss. You know, it's kind of on that end of the spectrum where um, partnership in the horse world can often be a euphemism or code for being nice or letting the horse do what they want or that you don't want to upset your horse. You always want your horse to be happy and on that end of the spectrum of things. So <laughs> I don't think that's really so. Like I loved the definitions of partnership and leadership that I just read to you that came right off of Google. I like that better than kind of the hints of what those things, those words stand for often in the horse world. So there's some people who will just say, hey, you need to show your horse who's boss. And they'll just say that because that's the kind of style they're in. But there's other people who um, are thinking that, but they know that doesn't sound so good. So they might just say, I think you need to up your leadership. And so we're going to talk a lot about that. I mean, at least, at least people know you, you don't want to like say, Hey, you need to beat your horse into submission, <laughs> you know, but I think we can be a little more nuanced and we can get a little uh, more specific as far as what do we actually mean by this? So if you don't have to choose between partnership and leadership, they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, partnership lives inside a leadership. It's because leadership relies on partnership. And I think partnership relies on relationship. And so I want to tell you a quick story 
that illustrates this and it's a real experience of mine um, that I was thinking about when I started thinking about what am I going to talk about on this podcast. So my, um, not my first horse, but my second horse was a thoroughbred, thoroughbred named Brave Tom. And he, when I got him, I was 15. I didn't do any dressage except for the little bit I did in lower level pony club. Um, I wanted to go on in pony club. Uh, Brave Tom was a seven-year-old off the track thoroughbred with a bow tendon doing local hunter shows. And um, he did not pass the um, pre-purchase exam for dressage. They said, oh, his hawks aren't that great. You know, he'll never do dressage. And I was like, who wants to do dressage? <laughs> I want to go do jumping and cross country and stuff like that. So I, I got this horse. Now this horse, so like I said, I was 15. So I was mostly a little kid with a horse doing pony club. I was mostly a partner with my horse. I had a relationship with my horse. Having fun and him liking me was high priority. Second priority, let's do some cool stuff. You know, <laughs> if it's fun for us both. So partnership, relationship, really high on the list of what I was thinking about at the time that I had him. Now, because I ended up with a good, edu good educators and came across a really good dressage instructor, one thing led to another. And next thing you know, uh, I'm on the team for the United States of the Young Rider Championships four years in a row. He went right up the levels, national championships and awards at all the levels going up you know, and he did it all. He, he went right up the levels. It's that horse that turned me into a professional because of my successes with him. Um, other people started asking me to ride their horses. Um, but that's not the part I want to tell you about. That horse all along the time up there, I was still mostly a kid with a horse, mostly doing silly kid stuff like riding him bareback and backwards and seeing if I could jump a horse while riding bareback and backwards and taking him for hikes and um, riding him through the drive-in at the local fast food restaurant and taking him to the beach and doing silly stuff and going to the park and letting him go wherever he wanted because I thought that was funny. Um, and then sometimes I'd take dressage lessons and I'd practice my dressage and we went up the levels like that. And like I said, he's the one who turned me into professional. And then in, at some point he retired and he retired. And, and as this, you know, story of this amazing horse who went above and beyond the call of duty and came through me, came through for me again and again and again, when I was just learning all this dressage stuff. And I remember being in the middle of a dressage test, doing my tempies and losing count and he just kept going. And then, and then I'd go look at the video. I'm like, Oh good. He did the right number. <laughs> you know, like my level of technique was, was, you know, this is my first time through. So relatively not experienced at all in dressage, but I had a great partnership with him. And he went so far. And then in the next block of time in my career, when he was retired and I didn't own my own horse anymore, but I, I rode a lot better quality horses. I was riding imported horses of national and international caliber, um, 
riding them from zero to Grand Prix, riding my trainer's horses, competing all up and down the East Coast, you know, at all the levels and taking students. I mean, I had access to amazing horses. But I would remember thinking, you know, how difficult some of those horses were. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, here was Brave Tom with all these strikes against him. And he gave his heart to me. He tried so hard. He came through for me every year. My trainer would say, I don't know if he can do this next level. And he'd do it. And, uh, and then here I'd have all these really talented horses and it was like pulling teeth sometimes. So my experience and my technique was now really growing, but these were all client horses. So I was being a professional. Partnership was not as high on my list. Reaching goals was high on my list. Um, perfecting my technique was high on my list. And I just thought, you know, you either get a horse who's physically capable or that you know, mentally, emotionally will give to you. And those were the choices. And it was kind of a joke around the place. You can have one or the other, but you can't have both. And then I got this horse named Vivaldi. And I tell this story on my website. If you, if you go to the page on my website that says meet Karen, I tell this whole story if you want to look at this again. And there's some pictures of the horses I'm talking about. But this horse Vivaldi was willed to me and he was a pretty used up horse. He was very checked out. And this was around the time I started practicing natural horsemanship and starting to prioritize partnership again. And it was this horse, Vivaldi, whose nickname was Bubba, um, who, you know, he was having soundness problems. He was been there, done that in the dressage world. But I, it was my, he was my horse. And I started doing partnershipy stuff with him again, partially because he was my horse and that's what I like to do. And partially because I had been starting to um, dabble in this natural horsemanship stuff, right? This partnership based training. And that was the first horse in many years that I started to see the light go on and he started to give to me more than he ever had when I started to prioritize it. So here's the source with, again, all these strikes against him. And he started offering and giving and, and, you know, doing things with me, not just for me. And I hadn't felt that since Brave Tom. And that's really one of the lights that went off in my brain and going, wait a minute, this partnership stuff, this is not just silly kid stuff. There's actually measurable, tangible benefits to my dressage training because this horse started to offer and be lighter and more willing and perform better in his dressage because I was treating him like a partner now. So that's how partnership fits inside of leadership. My, my technique had been improving all my skills were improving much better at dressage than when I was with Brave Tom. But those techniques weren't fully realized or available to me or the horses weren't really availing themselves to me until I added back in the partnership piece. So, <laughs> so relationship, you know, 
leadership requires partnership, partnership requires relationship. And so relationship is really about creating a safe environment. It's, it's based on trust where the horse and you feel safe to learn and be together. So with Vivaldi, unlike the client horses who were just tacked up by working students and I would bring, they would be brought to me. I would get on, I would perform my amazing dressage techniques to them. They would train and then they would be cooled out, you know, because I'm training 10, 12 horses a day plus teaching lessons. It just was a logistical thing. But with Vivaldi, I would get to the barn a little earlier, stay a little later. I had a relationship with him. Now, leadership in a more sort of integrated sense of the word, um, recognizes that partnerships and relationships are integral to the scenario where two or more beings want to achieve a goal. And like I said before, if, if with leadership, quote leadership, without partnership and relationship is just being a boss. It's just being a slave owner. It's just being a me mechanical, when I do this, you need to do that. And I think, you know, that line that I wrote, you know, integrated leadership is about recognizing partnerships and relationships. I mean, that's something that's talked about in workplace scenarios and leadership among people. And I think it's even more important with horses because horses don't have the same goals as we do. You know, if you're a person and you want to work for a company, you can read what that company is about and decide, hey, I think I'd like to go work for that company. But horses are just like, I want to eat grass and talk to another horse and prance around a little bit every now and then, <laughs> you know, that's, those are horse goals. So, you know, you might think, oh, relationship partnership is not as important in horses. What's important with horses is making sure they know what to do. No, I think it's more important because they don't have the same goals. It's actually up to us to inspire them, right? Our choice is we can either inspire them to feel like they're profiting somehow by our relationship and by going with us, because the alternative is we just make them do it. And making a living being do something only goes so far. You've got to learn some skills of inspiration and motivation. And that's where the relationship and the partnership come in. If you have an exclusively control-based method and you work only on a dominant submissiveness kind of thing, um, now that's not me. <laughs> and if you guys are listening to a podcast called Horse Training in Harmony, it's probably not you either, or maybe a friend sent you here. <laughs> um, but that you know, we I don't believe that it's only a dominant submissive based thing. Like that to me is not fun. I, I I don't think I would do horses if it was just a matter of like, how can I make you do this? Like that's not what I'm signed up for. So in relationship-based training, it's communication is the key. Understanding is the key. Clarity is the key. 
relationships, all that understanding and, and clarity creates the partnership, which then sets the stage for the leadership. So if leadership is lacking, so someone says, you bet you have to up your leadership, or sometimes I have to, you know, I'll say that. I'll tell someone, you know, I think it's a leadership thing. So, I mean, I use that word too. I, you know, if students are asking me questions in, in my courses or something, I might say, you know, I think this is a leadership thing. But what I'm thinking of, if, if I say that, I'm thinking of um, what's, what's the ability to communicate to your horse? That to me is what leadership is. It's the beauty, it's the ability to communicate. Have I been clear? Does he understand? And then the motivational piece, you know, it maybe understands, but he doesn't see the profit. He's not sharing the profits, right? So have I been clear? Does my horse understand? Have I inspired or motivated him to act because he sees a benefit in him? And those are really the things I'm going to look for if I'm thinking about leadership. I don't want my horses to merely do what I ask. I want them to actually feel free to do more. So that's where the, the being able to say, Hey, here's the sort of stuff we're doing. And I want to have a horse that's inspired to try stuff. Even if they get it wrong, I'd rather have a horse trying. I'm going to reward effort more than results, right? Like give it a try. Come along with me. Something like this. Because something that's in motion is easier to, to course correct. So um, nurturing curiosity and giving horses the opportunity to express themselves is actually a really important part of training. And this is where it starts to move further away from the boss or slave owner um, kind of mentality, right? Because Usually if I think of a boss telling someone what to do or a slave owner telling someone what to do, what they expect back is exactly what they ask for. And you better not make a mistake. So that that's kind of my vision of what a boss slash slave owner model of expectations is like. But I don't want that. I want my horses to sometime offer me more or even offer me something different. Just keep offering. <laughs> I can shape it as I go. Um, so, you know, nurturing curiosity, I think that has a, that has a, you know, that safe space idea, right? So about building relationship and building partnership is about building that safe space where they feel like they can give things a try. So that's what's gonna, if I, if they're offering stuff, then I have stuff to work with and then I can refine and hone it and perfect it as I go. So that's, that's the opposite of control only dominance based training, which is not le leadership. <clears throat> so when I think about being a good leader, another part of it is the ability to listen to allow the people or the horses that you're leading to come up with their own ideas. And, and when working with people or with horses also, we want to be able to enhance, notice and enhance 
their own strengths and preferences. So I have very many different personality type horses. And I know everybody who's successful with horses has to be a little bit flexible. But I think we've all probably noticed that there are some trainers who are very consistent. And then some horses really fit into the program and some are labeled the difficult or challenging or dumb or untalented or whatever you want to call it horse. And then they, they don't fit in the program. My idea of a program is a, the whole point of training is to figure out how to inspire a horse to do what you want it to do. I mean, that, that's, that's training. If you don't like to try to figure that out, you're, you're not a trainer, you're just a technician. So, um, so we really want to, for me, the way I see it is to listen to notice what my horse's preferences are, notice what their strengths are, and then I adapt my methods to work with and a, work with and around those, but hopefully with. That's the really fun part. How can we take what the horse already likes to do and somehow meet them there and then lead them to then make it, you know, their idea, our idea. But just the idea of listening to their preferences and seeing what they want. And I have different rules for different horses, slightly different. Um, they all have the basic rules, but I'm, I interact with them differently based on their personalities. So <clears throat> with our horses, there are definitely some things that we need in place to keep us and them safe. So they're there are certain, you know, rules, you know, they're not allowed to run me over <laughs> or push me over or, you know, things like that. Like there are certain things that, yeah, all my horses have these basic communications that they need and basic boundaries and like, Hey, this is how the world works. And it's to keep me safe. It's to keep them safe too. And I have to teach that with that attitude. So there are going to be some boundaries and some behaviors that aren't necessarily allowed, but that's just part of their education. It's not a lifestyle of you cannot do anything. Um, it's, it's part of the education of teaching them to yield to pressure and to hold when I say hold and to respect my space and things like that. But it's really up to us to change the behavior as trainers. And I think it's possible to have some set boundaries and set rules and to be very particular things that might go into the category of, hey, you need to be a better leader, right? Um, we can have those boundaries and be particular um, and at the same time know that if the horse is having trouble with those boundaries, it's not their fault, it's not their problem, they're not bad it's my challenge. It's my challenge as a trainer and a horseman to figure out how do I explain this boundary to them, <laughs> right? So a lot of it is just the, the way you're thinking about it, right? The end result is the same. I want my horse to be able to stand over there and hold and be patient and not run me over. You know, that's, that's the, the goal, but I can do it with the attitude of, huh, how can I inspire him to do this and feel like it's a good deal for him rather than um, because I said so, 
because I am the leader and I am dominant and I am alpha and you're just a mere horse. Um, because that intention is going to drive your methods, right? So leadership to me is about celebrating and honoring successes, right? With people and with horses. We want to um, we want to acknowledge when they're offering something that's in the right direction or in a, in a direction that helps the group move towards the, the vision, right? Um, so we honor those successes rather than just um, expecting compliance and only punishing if they go off course. Um, I did a podcast and I have a blog called The Assumption of Obligingness. So that's kind of in there. There's certain um, people that have a mindset of um, the horse must oblige. So that's expected. <laughs> of course, they're going to oblige. And if they do something wrong, we close those doors and put them back on course. So kind of the only time they hear from us is if they do something wrong. I kind of am more of the, um, the mindset of, I can't believe this works at all. I can't believe they let us do anything with them. I think it's a miracle that they let us ride them. How freaking cool is this? And then we can get on and go like sideways and do fancy prancing. This is nuts. <laughs> so I have no expectation that they should do this at all for us. Everything that they do for us, a gift. So I am much more about, because I come from that mindset, I'm going to be much more celebratory and praising and honoring of every little thing that they do for me along the way, um, you know, because I don't expect them to oblige in the first place. <laughs> so in this way, I think excellent leadership has, has a little bit of a mutual accountability. You know, I expect some responsibilities from the horse because I teach them and I need to be accountable and responsible to the horse. And I think when you play with it this way in your mind, that's when things become really transformative. This is where things come together in, in the magical way that only can happen with two living beings doing this. So being being a partner, again, like I said in the beginning, has this sense that you are in it together. And part of being a leader means that you're able to inspire the action, not just a man, that's being a boss. And it's because of your relationship that you have the partnership. And because of your partnership, you're able to lead without needing to demand except for maybe brief moments here and there. You can be a partner without being a leader, but you can't be a leader without being a partner. So if you're a student and someone says to you, you need to be more of a leader, think about what that might mean. If you feel like you have a good partnership already, then and someone's saying, you need to be a better leader, think to yourself, do I need to have a clearer vision of where I'm going? Because that's what leaders do. Do I need to be more inspiring? Because that's what leaders do. Inspiring, motivating, 
rewarding, celebrating the successes, letting them know when they're heading in the right direction, um, emphasizing and nurturing curiosity. You know, ask yourself, are you using your are you using your horse's strengths and preferences on your way to your goal? And not just strengths and pre preferences as a horse, but as that individual horse, what do they love the most? And if you're maybe someone who's on the other side of the spectrum, maybe you're feeling like, oh man, I feel like I'm too much of a boss all the time. I feel like all I do is tell my horse what to do all the time. Then you want to look back to the relationship and ask yourself things like, how's the trust? And how's the trust on both sides? You know, how much do you trust your horse? And how much does your horse trust you? How trustworthy are you being? And if there's not trust there, get really specific. Like, why? Why don't you trust your horse? Exactly why? Or why might your horse not trust you? Exactly why? Or maybe it's not you, it's the situation your horse is in. But see if you can get really specific. Because in figuring out why is there not trust? Exactly why? What's the, what's the circumstance that makes you, that makes trust go away? Then you can get really specific in starting to solve it and build the trust and build the relationship so that you don't feel like you always have to be telling them what to do. You, you will feel if you can build the trust and get really specific about filling in the, the pieces, preventing the trust that allows you to let go of some of the control. And that's the doorway of moving from boss slave owner to inspiring leader that other beings want to follow. And you can also ask yourself about your mindset. If you feel like you're being too bossy all the time, do you really feel like you're in it together with your horse? Or did you just spend a lot of money on your horse and you're, you have in the back of your mind of like, you know what, this horse better perform for me because I just spent a lot of money on him. And, and, you know, I get it. I've spent money on horses and I can feel those little things sneaking in like, oh man, I just invested all this. He better, <laughs> better perform. You know, so it's, it's just normal. It's okay. But, but acknowledge it if you're feeling that. And then you can talk yourself and go, okay, wait a minute. My horse doesn't know how much he cost. He's just a horse with goals of eating grass, talking to other horses and prancing a little bit every now and then. And you can also look at the quality of your communication. So if you feel like you're being bossy all the time or nagging, you're not feeling so leadershipy, and you're not feeling like an inspiring leader, then look at the quality of your communication. Um, and I have blogs and on this. And you know, what what's the dynamic of the conversation between you and your horse? And I just did a podcast on clarity, so you can listen to that one. So just know that you can and should be a partner and a leader. It's not versus. You can be a partner without being a leader, but you can't be a leader without being a partner. And you can be trustworthy, trusting. You can be clear yet open. You can have high standards and be open to your horse's ideas. 
you can have clear boundaries and a good relationship. And you can achieve high levels of performance without being just demanding. So I love this topic. I could swim around in this topic uh, forever. Well, I guess I do. And just know that if you're here still listening and you're even just thinking about all of this and you're thinking about how partnership and leadership fit together and what it means, then you are ahead of so many people because so many people think that life with horses is just about showing them who's boss. They just want their horses to shut up and do what they're told. It's probably not you because you're listening to a podcast called Horse Training and Harmony, unless a friend sent you here and then welcome, (laughs) right? Because when you only use methods of control and dominance, you may make fewer mistakes. Although even that I would debate. But if you only use methods of control and dominance, you're also going to have fewer opportunities for your horse to come through for you in ways that you might not expect. They might come through for you even better. And they might give you even more than what you asked for. And that's really what the horse I told you about, Brave Tom. That's what Brave Tom did for me. He and I reached a goal that I didn't even know I had. I had no goal to go to the upper levels of dressage, compete representing the United States and become a professional. We, I did that because I was a partner with my horse. I had a relationship with my horse. And because of that relationship, we just kept learning stuff and it kept working. And I learned the lesson with him, but I didn't know I learned the lesson with him until I didn't own my own horse and I didn't really have a relationship and a partnership with a horse again until Vivaldi, otherwise known as Bubba. And that's when I realized that all that technique that I had gained only went so far, but it went further when I added back in the relationship and the partnership. So I don't know if I answered the question of partnership versus leadership, but I, I think I did answer a little bit more about how partnership and leadership fit together. So I hope this gives you a lot to think about. And especially in the next days, as you go play with your horse and you think about your vision and your goals and how you can be an inspiring leader that your horse uh, wants to follow. So I hope that helps. And again, Dressage Naturally Land is the name of my Facebook group on Facebook. You have to ask to join, but it's open to everybody. So just come on in and join the conversation. You said that's where I do little call outs for requests for podcast topics. And that's how this one came to be. So it's also a place where you can go and tell me how it went after you played with some of this stuff. So I'd love to hear from you. Dressage Naturally Land on Facebook. All right. Bye. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, 
the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process. Mm -hmm.